Hello everyone. Welcome to Voice of the Wild, a weekly podcast initiative by Natchez Foundation. With this podcast, we wish to bring you closer to the world of wildlife conservation, wildlife research and scientific innovations and governmental policies relation to environment and wildlife. Uh, my name is Anurag Karigar and along with me I have my colleagues. Hello, this is Prajwal Kadam. Yeah. And I am Vanishri Naik. Today in the episode 1 of the podcast we will first travel to the northeast corner of India where we'll discuss about the conservation crisis Dibang Valley is facing. Then let's look at how the northeast is still surprising us with their new discoveries. Finally we take a look at how wildlife is doing during this time of lockdown. So let's not wait any more and get right into it. Dibang Valley and Italian projects are some names that are echoing the social media feeds of all those who are concerned about Indian environment. Dibang Valley is a place in the remote corners of northeast India where the government today is planning one of its biggest hydroelectric power plants and its name is Italian project. Now most of you must have not even heard about Dibang Valley before this news broke out. The chances are high that most who are listening to this podcast must have visited a foreign country like Switzerland than to have gone to this Dibang Valley. Now this Dibang Valley is a place of enchanting landscapes with full of mountains rivers and forest and still today there are hidden mysteries like unknown and undiscovered wildlife there and people who are peace loving and unique in the way that they interact with nature and live in harmony now to evaluate whether this project and the cost of this project which is not just financial but the trees under this project about 2.8 lakh trees would be felled so all this cost along with the trees and the social impact that it's going to have on the people to assess that wii one of the most reputed research organizations when it comes to wildlife was given the task to evaluate and create a environmental impact assessment so this is one of the big responsibility to provide an unbiased detailed data of this place for the government and the people of the nation to evaluate and to understand this particular project uh, this responsibility was not taken seriously by wii and this was proved by a team of researchers who specialized in many various avenues like uh, specialized in birds mammals herpetology uh, fish and aquatic life hydrology and even geography all these people team together to assess the report that wii had created and came up with a lot of different discrepancies now we'll go ahead and discuss what these discrepancies are and we'll discuss few of the very critical discrepancies which tell how wii has and this is see the evidence to how wii has failed to do its job now uh Let's begin with the study of birds. The northeast is very famous and it is one of the top hotspots all around the world. It's a very well-known hotspot and in this hotspot till a lot of many different bird species are still being discovered. Now to survey the birds that are in this particular uh, zone of influence or impact of the dam uh, the people conducted a survey which was supposed to be throughout many different seasons. but uh, that did not happen the wii conducted the survey in only some particular seasons and these seasons were chosen such that uh, the least number of birds would be found for example the seasons were such that they were not the breeding seasons of the bird at the same time at that particular time period the elephant migrants uh, birds that go to different elevations during different periods of season they would not be in the dibang area region but even then even then when the study was conducted such that they would find least number of birds 
Even in that study, they found a high number of rich bird diversity and birds which are endemic, which are not found anywhere in the world. And at the same time, some which were endangered and protected by law. Now. going forward to give an excuse or to show that they are concerned about wildlife and there can be a pro- measures to protect these birds they suggested something like building nest boxes out of wood now everyone is smart enough and you also know that one of india's most highly rain influenced places is northeast where the rainfall is so high so now you tell me friends how can wooden nest boxes be a viable option of for conservation in a place where there is high rainfall and these wooden boxes can just degrade and can just destroy at the same time very few very very few birds actually nest in these nest boxes and the researchers told that there is very low occupancy rate of these boxes now let's look at other animals like reptiles and insects now you tell me friends if you want to see wildlife like insects and reptiles which time of the entire day 24 hours do you see the most and the obvious answer is going to be night anyone will tell you if you want to see some uh, wildlife like snakes and reptiles you would go at night to see them yes but surprisingly the entire study for uh, looking at these animals was done only in the daytime which is very very weird now even those who live in the city must know that even in places like ponds or lakes in close vicinity to your cities you will find a lot of different species of dragon flies because they live in these water areas but in this valley which is full of rivers and stream the researchers found just 11 species of dragon flies which is totally absurd not only that but pahu a type of frog which is very very common in these lands were not even a part of their study which is very weird at the same time the researchers also omitted a lot of study done by their own researchers earlier many of the scientists uh, have found wild dogs clouded leopards and even tigers in the vicinity of this valley area and that study they have not even made a part of their particular document now for a second let let's let go about the wildlife and nature because most of the viewers and today we want to go and progress and we want india to go in the direction of development and progress so you might say the dam project is important for that particular reason but tell me guys ki if i give you the option of you have the power to create a dam would you create a dam in a place where there is high risk of earthquake Any Tom, Dick, and Harry, and a bit of common sense can tell me that a dam cannot be built in a risk with a zone five level uh, risk of earthquake. And Dimang Valley is such a place. Then how is a plan to build dams is being created in this kind of place? At the same time, this location, one of the reasons why very few people are able to go and access and explore this location is because the high risk and high uh, level of uh, landslides that happen in this region. So and this data is freely available on uh, some sites by NASA. So this study was not even considered in the WIR report. Now uh, tell me friends, ki how can a dam project which is supposed to provide electricity to different areas and to be a successful thing, how would it be successful if there are these kind of issues and geographical issues in this particular regions? And the issue is not only about geography. It's also about the social impact on the people that live in these areas. The defenders of this project would say that by having this project, it will provide new jobs to the people living in these areas. But let me tell you guys, the lifestyle in these regions is totally different. It is a region with extreme climatic condition. The Indo-Mishmi people do not depend on just one kind of occupation. 
occupation which is farming as the seasons progress they have to sometimes depend on the forest they have to sometimes depends on agriculture and their lifestyle is very very unique it's not as similar to a person who is living in a city who can have one job for the entire year and have a monotonous life their life cannot be monotonous and these people have spent their entire lives doing these kind of nature related or nature dependent jobs and work how can they be told to just switch their jobs from that to something like a welder plumber or electrician without any experience at the same time this project would bring about uh, additional 12000 migrants in this landscape now what i'm going to tell you might be very very surprise and you would be shocked that in this landscape of dibang valley which is about 9000 square kilometers there are only 8004 people in this entire region which means the population density hear me very clearly the population density in this region is just one person per square kilometer which is very very low and something that we have never heard of and this means ki there is a very complex or a very different cultural aspect of this region we cannot even imagine how the culture or how the lifestyle of these people would be until unless we actually go and spend time over there and very very few people have actually done that now when 12000 which is higher than the population of people in that region when 12000 migrants will come over there It's not just the local people over there who will face a lot of problems but also the people who are migrating over there because these people will not have a idea to how to exist and how to live in this landscape which is so different and which is so complex with the different seasons which extreme seasons and a lifestyle in the mountains at the same time these 12000 additional migrants would directly impact the local sovereignty of the issues we have heard of many examples throughout the history when any uh, local groups are dominated even in minor uh, numbers by outside community it creates a lot of conflict between the people these conflicts then create issues and violence between the communities at the same time in this entire process the women and children are the people who are influenced and impacted so guys we need to think and really think about this whether this project is really about development in a country which is today energy rich do we actually need to destroy such a big landscape and to create an entire forest recent reports also by jindal who planned to create this uh, particular or has been given the tender to create this entire project he the group themselves said that this project is not profitable they depend highly and heavily on the government subsidies to make this project viable so we really need to think about this and when this debate of nature versus development comes let me again remind you that environment is not apart from development development and environment goes hand in hand and today in these times of coronavirus it has never been more evident as the further reports on poaching and we will discuss about these topics further on now next to my colleague we will talk about some of the species that have been found in this location but i would request uh, those who are listening are really feel dearly about this issue i will add some links below please send your objections about this particular project read about it and be aware of what's happening talk to your friends and family and make them a part of being a resistance to this project which is not beneficial to anyone thank you Yes exactly Anurag it's disturbing to witness a huge destruction of the northeast region when there are new species coming up each and every day So yeah that's what I'm basically going to talk about today it's about these three new horned frog species that we discovered recently in the northeastern region of India and yeah 
So before talking about the basic topic, I would like to brief a little bit about why taxonomy is important and why we need to classify animals and sorting data and all that. Uh, so yeah, why did we start classifying animals? So it's because as humans, we felt the need to have data to know about the animals around us and to have specific information about each and every animal. Also sorting out things like we need to know where every each and every organism belongs and what category is best suited for those animals. And that is the reason we started classifying animals. Also their association with us like we have animals all around us either directly or indirectly they are connected to us humans and that is why it is important. And nowadays with more conservation and ecological aspects coming into play, it's very important to know specific animals along with their species and individuality when it comes to saving them from extinction. How did we start classifying them? Like what were the basis on which we started classifying animals? So firstly, morphological characters of course play a very huge role what we see in an animal and how it makes it different. That's what we started categorizing animals on the basis of. Slowly, there are distinguishing characters that are different about each and every animal, which is specific to that particular group of animals. And that is also one of the characters that plays a huge role in classifying animals. Also, the genetic makeup of each and every animal is different. And the animals that are closely related are, of course, more related genetically as well. So that's like the whole concept of how we classify them on what characters do we classify them and so yeah, let's talk about the classification system, like the system of classification, either modern or how it started. So the whole system of classification started with Aristotle back in the before Christ centuries and then now the modern system of classification is given by Carlos Dinas. So the modern system of classification starts with kingdom, phylum, class, so on and it goes up till genus and species. Now genus and species to me is like the name and surname of a particular animal. Genus being more general is something that defines a group of very closely related animals just like a surname and species is very specific to one particular kind of genetically similar organisms. And uh, these organisms are the only ones that can reproduce together and produce fertile offsprings. And that's why we call it the name, which is highly specific to those animals. Now, at last, after telling you all this, let's come to frogs. Let's talk a little bit about frogs because it was frogs that were discovered. So frogs are amphibians, as we all know. And amphibians are those with moist skins. And uh, these are animals that complete their life cycle in the in two stages, that is larvae and uh, adult. And they have a lot of characters. We Some of us say that they can live both in water and uh, land. Yeah, so there are many ways to describe them. Now, the class amphibia has four main group of animals. That is salamanders, newts, Sicilians and frogs. And of course the horned frogs are a part of the frogs, that is Anura. So yeah, there are different type of frogs. Bush frogs, tree frogs, name it all. So these frogs called horned frogs. And now why did the name come into play? Because these frogs have these tapering ends on their eye sockets, which gives their eyes a tip and that appears like a horn from the behind. And because this frog has a brownish color, the tapering end gives it a look of a leaf, which helps them camouflage in the leaf litter. 
and that's a very amazing way of hiding from predators the frogs in light today are uh, three new frog species that were megopharis zuko megopharis nambumbang and megopharis abu now these names though difficult are from the tribal languages of the region that they were found in and zuko is taken from the name zuko valley where this horn frog was found and this frog is endangered now how we found out that this frog was different from the other two discovered is because the zuko valley horn frog has a small ridge near its eye which does not really lead up to its trunk or the back of its body but in temenglong horn frog and in the naga hills horn frog this ridge is pretty distinct and also the zuko valley horn frog has lateral ridges on its toes so yeah this is basically the difference between the three new horn frog species discovered and we really need to look into these because the newly discovered species are endangered and that's really difficult to know and even though we know this the human activities are really horrifying to see acts like poaching and other things like that is very disturbing while on one hand the mysteries of nature and wildlife elude us on other hand we keep on making attempts to destroy the habitats and the places where these amazing mysteries thrive we are not learning from our mistakes for example we are today in this lockdown situation because of coronavirus the same coronavirus which has stemmed because of unchecked poaching and wildlife trade and sars also has been one of the example of exactly that but still after sars or nor after this coronavirus are we changing the recently there have been many cases of wildlife poaching and uh, intrusions in the wildlife protection zones across the world these poachers are using the less surveillance and the reduced surveillance as an opportunity to do their mischief and india also they are facing the same problem the causes of these activities can be roughly seen for two different reasons one is for food another is for actual monetary gains one example of the food relation is from venani lake which is in thiruvananthapuram over there few locals were caught hunting moorhens and parrots for food consumption luckily the panchayat authorities immediately when they noticed reported this to the forest department and the forest department took a very rapid response not only in the western region but also in the east in orissa where uh, in betwa river which is in orissa wildlife sanctuary a few locals were caught fish bombing by using dynamite fishing so not only this method of fishing is illegal but the reason why it's illegal was very evident while this case while fishing they also killed a baby crocodile these kind of accidents keeps happening because of such methods of fishing or hunting which are not sustainable which not only kill these small and easy methods you kill a lot of different bycatch and create a lot of disturbances which is why these kind of methods of fishing are banned and here we saw an example how it re- impacted an organism an animal which the locals did not even intend to kill or harm but as i said earlier this poaching is not just happening for food it's also uh, happening for greed of money now kaziranga national park which is one of the final frontiers for the protection of indian rhino facing such a problem after 13 months this was first case of poaching of a rhino where a full grown rhino was killed and it was missing a horn now to kill this particular rhino it took eight shots of a ak47 by the intruders now this is very very serious because 
not only do we see that a rhino which is so protected and of national park where there's so much attention given to these rhinos are uh, these poachers daring to kill uh, this particular animal but they are also using very dangerous equipment like AK-47 which is not only dangerous for the rhino but the people who are protecting these rhinos think about the forest guards who are not only are going to these and protecting these rhinos in that very dense very uh, swampy regions and putting their life at risk with these kind of poachers in those locations we need to now really consider ki what kind of amenities are we giving these rangers who are protecting our national history examples are not only from the remote corners of our nation but also in the konkan region a man was caught with 22 kilos of scales and nails of an endangered animal named pangolin now this is very very ironic guys because this pangolin is an animal from which it is presumed that from bats to pangolin to humans this is how the virus covid 19 virus is proposed to have passed on and this animal which is supposedly has spread this particular virus in the wet markets of wuhan the poaching of this animal must have caused the situation that we are in and now this poacher thinks that the, these scales and nails are the same thing that will help cure the covid-19 so these myths are totally weird and totally ironic really don't understand how these myths are even being propagated or or even existing but this man poached these animals for the purpose of selling them in the black market and getting a high value for them he was not only found with these scales of pangolins but also a jungle hare and a tortoise shell these kind of activities are being going on and this these are just the reports that we have found out or uh, these are only the offenders who have been caught we don't even know which location these things are going rampant and which location the these poachers are using the lockdown situation to do their mischief it's uh, time that the forest departments take some action and be on high alert for these kind of acts happening all across the nation and coimbatore forest division is doing exactly that they have introduced a drone surveillance project for the first time in the singanallur lake this was an initiative that was that was started by district forest officer venkatesh this right now seems to be a really good idea as this will not only keep the forest rangers away away from the poachers also from the threat of covid-19 so from a far away distance without the rangers having to go out in field and out of safety of their homes they can keep surveilling the regions and protecting the wildlife i hope other forest departments across the nation also take some hints from the coimbatore forest department and do something to protect our wildlife right now but this poaching is not just going on for food and money it's also going on because of superstitions and myths and misconceptions more upon this by my friend well yeah lockdown has given rise to opportunities for many illegal activities but now there are some cases of human bat conflict and if not taken care of immediately it could get much worse let's get to the core and find out why so let's first talk about the status of bats in our society for ages they've been the symbol of fear and darkness and have been an inspiration for myths and legends like vampires and also a remarkable character which you all must be knowing about basically this enigmatic animal is the heart of many misconceptions 
and is often misunderstood almost all over the world. Bats are hunted for their meat. They are killed or driven away because they are considered as pests in fields and orchards. And since the COVID-19 outbreak, the tolerance of people towards bats has reduced. It's like most of the communities across the globe have forgotten the role of these wonderful animals in our ecosystems and the ecological services they provide. All this has given rise to a viral witch hunt for bats. Earlier this month, there was an incident from Rajasthan where villagers destroyed colony of bats. And even in Bangalore and also European countries like Switzerland, there has been discomfort in citizens just because there are bats roosting around their homes. All of these misconceptions and superstitions are because bats are reservoirs for many pathogens including coronaviruses. The novel coronavirus discovered in humans is completely different from the one found in bats but it did originate from bats, which is the reason for such inhumane acts, resulting from fear, misconceptions and misunderstandings. So even though they are not responsible for COVID-19 outbreak, which we'll see later on, but it is not wise to cause them trouble. It is because that if a bat is stressed, threatened or mishandled, it will bite. And it is how a person could contract pathogens directly leading to a very bad time. Now, talking about the scientific findings of COVID-19, especially regarding bats, it has now been proven by 64 scientists across 6 South Asian countries that COVID-19 is not directly transmitted from bats. One bat species from China which was screened positive for coronavirus was the horseshoe bat. But it was the SARS-CoV-1 strain which is evolutionary distinct from the SARS-CoV-2 strain which is responsible for COVID-19 outbreak. A surprising thing is that animals including human beings harbor various types of viruses. The major thing that we need to know is that the main reason for this outbreak is the illegal wildlife trade and market. Animals over here are kept in filthy and unhygienic condition they are mishandled or not treated properly which gives them many opportunities for such viruses, bacteria and parasites to infect new host animals eventually infecting humans. And this is how the virus entered and affected human system through an intermediate host which could be possibly the pangolin. Well, that's what scientists have been theorized and it could be true. Now. It is evident to all of us that blindfolded by rumors, we have blamed someone who is innocent. Someone who holds the natural cycle, the whole ecosystems together. It's time we need to realize that bats are our silent guardians, the heroes who own the night. And it is our responsibility now to eliminate all the misconceptions and rumors from the society and value their presence. And maybe soon enough, we'll stop checking for monsters under our beds when we realize they were always inside us. <laughs> maybe that's more than enough information on bats for now. And let's see what actually is happening in the RA colony of Mumbai.
I completely agree with that. Not only these bats, but even the forests of the cities in India are harmed a lot by us humans and for our selfish wants. And forests are being demolished at a really great pace. All this reminds me of the situation that took place in Aare Colony of Mumbai a few months ago. All us nature lovers and uh, humans in general started protesting for the changing of decision of our government. But what happened after that? Everyone forgot after a few months and we don't really know what's going on over there right now. We have not kept any news and we are aware of the wrong doings that are still being done there. So yeah, that's what I'm going to talk about right now. The present of uh, RA colony. A few days back, this NGO called Vanashakti had reported to the police that there have been illegal cuttings going on in the RA colony in the unit 13 and uh, there allegedly have also been forest fires which seem to be started by man and uh, it looks like these two things have been done simultaneously by the people living there for the purpose of agriculture which is really truly disturbing to see that the forests are being cut down in the name of agriculture and that to illegally Not only trees and animals but even humans that are protecting them are in danger. Five forest guards from the Sanjay Gandhi National Park had been kidnapped and attacked by certain villagers that lived there and two of them had been caught hostage. The rest were saved and uh, obviously the police intervened and uh, all five forest guards could be saved. But what does it talk about us as a society? we are not even respecting fellow human beings forget about the forest guards but even one of them a local teacher was attacked for preaching about forest importance why does that happen and uh, i have noticed that everyone keeps denying their responsibilities as you know authorities or as us normal public the police there who looks after the ra colony completely denied to look into the matter because they've said that the area that vanashakti was talking about was not under their surveillance and that's why they couldn't do anything about that also poaching is a in question right here because the, some days back there was a man caught with weapons in the sanjay gandhi national park and that is a protected area a man being caught with weapons in the kanheri caves where are we heading right now and you know in the name of development there's a lot of injustice and bad being done to the tribal people to the forest to the animals just because we need certain luxuries for the middle class i don't think that is fair and uh, the fact that a lot of this information is not being put through to most of the population of mumbai is what is disturbing even more and uh, yes with this i would want to say that it is our duty to protect our forests and no matter how small or big it is it needs to be protected because we are already falling under the minimum level of forest required in india and we need to protect what's left with us so with that i would end and say that not everything that's going on in our country is bad there are a lot of individuals that are trying to protect and conserve nature there are a lot of communities that are protecting animals and nature in general 
while this kind of intolerance towards wildlife and animals is really disheartening and it shows a lot of failure into understanding the importance of the wildlife but in these uh, grave times also there are some communities and some people and some uh, examples really of hope and understanding the villagers of patabandha village of orissa gives that kind of example the villagers in this region instead of killing and hunting the bats down are instead protecting which is totally totally surprising while the rest of the nation as prajwal told is trying to hunt down bats in even cities and uh, remote caves here are people who are trying to protect the bats who reside in thousands on their ashoka and banyan trees these people considered them as a good omen and uh, as a sign of prosperity here they are showing a lot of understanding because these people do understand and these people are uh, facing the impacts where these bats do eat the mangoes and guavas like in rest of the countries because uh, these bats we are talking about are the larger food food bats which are uh, considered vermins in our country but these same people have got the understanding that these animals have been are living in these areas for about hundreds of years the land that they live in are also habitat by these bats and these people are showing a lot of respect for these animals and understanding that they are a part of the ecosystem and they are part of the earth and this earth is not only for humans but also for all the animals that are on this planet and more important than that is that these people understand the value of bats as important vectors of pollination and seed dispersal and their importance in pest control this understanding of bats is very very rare still today even the educated elites in the cities will not know exactly what role these bats play in the environment or ecosystem and would consider them not that important but even talks with rohit and many other bat researchers we have found that these bats are really immensely important and here these people have not only just uh, not uh, killed or uh, taken steps not to harm the bats but instead even taken steps to protect and even provide for them these people feed them grains and protect them from undue uh, disturbances at the same time they also sprinkle water on these bats during the times when it becomes very very hot and and this is what i wanted to talk about in recent times there was also incidents when in some region bats died in very high numbers because of heat exhaustion but in some tv news channels it was shown as if these bats are dying because of some virus like covid and they this could start a new epidemics which was totally wrong which was totally based on no information and these news media channels are doing a very wrong thing by spreading and helping these misconception to prolong and send a bad message throughout the country now because of these actions this village has got some really high reputation the gram panchayat sarpanch has also shown this kind of understanding and this village is now being rewarded for that same reason now this village is known as a mini bat sanctuaries and many researchers from across the world and also many tourists come to visit this place to see how the people and the bats coexist and live in harmony it's very very important for us to also appreciate this kind of bonding existing between man and the wildlife and if you have the opportunity to visit odisha make it a point to visit this village and check out the bats in these regions by doing this we are in one way 
promoting this idea of living and coexisting with the wild and more and more people will be inspired to do experiments like these and hopefully we'll step into an era where coexisting with the wild is a trend or is a socially accepted thing to do so please give it a thumbs up uh, please read about the story please uh, look at how these people are existing and if you have the chance do travel to this place that was really a great success story for bats especially in this current situation and talking about conservation you would be really surprised if i said that conservation of biodiversity and natural areas could be a solution for preventing further pandemics yeah you heard it right in the current scenario more than a million species are at the risk of extinction all because of anthropological activities like illegal logging mining illegal wildlife trade and mainly due to encroachment activities as we clear our forests and natural habitats we put ourselves at the risk of contracting new pathogens because all the animal species including us carry lots of pathogens as we fragment their habitats we eventually come in their contact and there's a chance of us getting infected you won't believe but 70% of infectious diseases are zoonotic that is originating from animals for example anthrax rabies ebola hepatitis plague swine flu and bird flu all originate from animals itself and there has been an exchange of many pathogens since humans have started using animals from the wild for their own activities also the state in which animals are kept in the illegal wildlife markets and the way that they are handled also increases the risk of infection this gives us a clear idea why we shouldn't mingle with nature so if conservation is taken seriously maybe we could stop such dangerous situations in the future just think over it once again and maybe you'll come to a conclusion that biodiversity conservation is our only solution well you know guys there's a lot about conservation that we need to discuss but for now let's you know just be let's let's be relaxed and i want you to take a deep breath because now we are going to step into the world of sea turtles as this is the last topic of the day i have good news the turtle population might seem to increase in the coming years because of this lockdown and its good effects on the environment also there have been a lot of videos about uh, animals entering cities and uh, you know a lot of people are happy about it saying that animals are reclaiming the space that humans took we may agree or disagree on this point but we cannot ignore the fact that population of these sea turtles might increase because of the lockdown and that is really great news especially because five species of turtles that are found in india are either in the endangered or critically endangered place and uh, we really need to help these turtles come back and regain their population A lot of efforts have been done by the conservationists to increase population like protecting their nesting spots and trying to increase population overall but the lockdown has had certain positive effects on the increase of population of these turtles 
For example, during the summer times, we all love going to the beach, and beaches are a place where these turtles would come and nest. And even though the turtles respond to a wide number of categories and not just coming to the seashore, they also respond to wind direction, lunar phase, that is the phase of the moon, tidal conditions, and a lot of other aspects. But somewhere, the population on the beaches does affect. their nesting capabilities and uh, yeah the population the nesting population that has come on the shores has increased and has almost become double than last year and uh, one more reason that could lead to this is also that because commercial fishing is on a hold right now use of gill nets and other nests that can harm these turtles are not in play right now and that probably has a huge role in the surviving population to come and nest on the shores and uh, as humans we probably do a lot of wrong things to harm these turtles and i would want to address that too even though we do not do that with the purpose of harming nature but uh, there are a lot of aspects to our lifestyle that can be uh, connected directly or indirectly to these like the use of plastic one time use plastic needs to be lowered down to a great extent if we want these animals and especially sea creatures to survive because you know a lot of this dump ends up in the sea water and uh, uh, ends up taking the life of many of the animals like these turtles for example the turtles take in these plastics thinking they are jellyfish and it does affect them and uh, as i have mentioned that i would also want to say that not only does the lockdown but also the people working for conservation of these turtles play a really important role in increasing their population like with less number of tourists going to these beaches to observe the nesting of these sea turtles and you know getting their experience the naturalists and the conservationists there do not have to take care of the guests and can focus more on the nesting of these turtles and probably could give amazing results when it comes to nesting of these turtles and uh, they play a really important role lastly i would talk about how we can help uh talking about population and pollution is a different aspect but even as nature lovers and nature enthusiasts while going to these places to observe turtle hatchings i would request every one of us to be really disciplined and caring about nature's ways and not go up too close to you know get pictures of the moment because that could probably cost a life and we cannot afford to have that while the populations of these turtles are already dwindling and uh, yes i would like to end on that and thank you so much i hope you all enjoyed this podcast we'll keep posting such content every week so please like share and subscribe or follow us to stay updated also please support us on patreon to show appreciation towards our young team that creates and provides such informatic content link is mentioned in the description thank you and see you next time